Hey everybody, adding this on quickly to the beginning of the episode after the fact because Molly Entity of The Athletic had an update Friday morning on uh, Raquana Williams and her ongoing legal situation. Uh, as as mentioned in the episode going into this, it was expected, she, it was expected that she was going to miss this game to attend a hearing, but then she ended up being in Connecticut with the team and dressed but did not play. And obviously, I'm not going to spoil the entire piece with uh, up on the athletic. But uh, as Molly wrote, uh, her attorney filed a waiver, meaning that uh, she won't she won't be required to attend uh, pretrial hearings. The next one being in early July. And also, there's a note in there that uh, a member of the Sparks cut off Derek Fisher uh, when when the media was trying to ask him about Williams, and that she was not made available to the press. So again, just tacking this on here at the beginning, uh, I mentioned earlier, or I mentioned in the episode that uh, was out there on Twitter that uh, that Williams' next date got postponed, but it looks like, in fact, that it was just uh, her attorney submitting a waiver so that she would not be required to attend pre-trial hearings, and obviously we will await uh, more updates and news on this situation. But with that said, uh, here we'll get right into the episode. Welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Wounds Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Dole. Running through Thursday's three games. Doing a solo episode today, just quickly running through all three games in three fun matchups, although not all of them went wire to wire. But starting off with that first one, the Aces took down the Dream 92-69 in Atlanta. And the lineup changed that... Bill Ambeard hinted at after their loss to the Sun. It turns out it was just, all right, we're going to start Liz Cambage now, which obviously is going to change things for the Aces and make things a lot easier for them. And uh, no Monique Billings in this one. She was listed as questionable with a hip injury and didn't end up playing off the bench for them. And, and the Aces just raced, raced out to this, this huge start. And, you know, the thing with Atlanta, it's just, Again, I just I just think this has to be approached with caution. You know, it's it's still so early. If they've had won one more game, you know, we're, it, it's just I don't know what, what we're really talking about. But of course, it stinks to be. It's not encouraging to be getting blown out. But you know, this this ankle thing with Tiffany Hayes, it's just you know the weight of it just it it, it hurts them so much more when you're already down one of your top scorers. They're a pretty limited offensive group in the grand scheme of things relatively speaking even with uh their full complement of players so with Hayes just not with just not herself and obviously this is a player that like needs to be able to explode to finish at the rim and to really collapse people and if she's not 100 percent, it, it just really hurts them they did start Nia Coffey for Brittany Sykes and and right out of the gate it was just you know Coffee was what left wide open for two threes and she missed them and that feeds right into Vegas getting out and transition a little bit, which was a big theme of the early part of this game. Kelsey Plum got an early three-pointer. Randy Montgomery just lost her. They had a breakdown there. And, and Liz Cambage and Asia Wilson, if, if when they get out and transition, they get an early touch, it's it's probably going to be game over for a team like the Dream. They just aren't big enough, and they aren't able to load up to set their defense so then they can load up and send some help to those players. They got... And another thing that Vegas did really well that they, they flashed in this game two different times if they just get it in early to Asia or Liz and then they had a shooter set a back screen for the other one 
and that caused a lot of problems for Atlanta because then, you know, that guard has to kind of hang back in the paint to help out so that they don't just get a lob to Wilson or, or Cambage. But then if that guard pops out right away, they're just going to get a wide open three. Or if you switch it, obviously you're stuck in a huge in a huge mismatch. So Kayla McBride and then Sugar Rogers each got wide open threes out of that. That's a nice quick action for Vegas to get into to involve both their post players. And what makes that so tough, too, is that, again, it's just Cambage and Wilson are such good face-up drivers that they can beat their own player at any given time, even if they do catch it you know, at the elbow area. So giving, them, giving it to them to facilitate something like that, their threats to score from that position, too. But Brittany Sykes, as mentioned, coming off the bench, continued to have some nice moments getting to the rim, kind of helped them respond a little bit after they fell in that big hole, for just forcing the issue a little bit, and they just they desperately need that, even when they do kind of start to figure things out. She did go down late in the first half, looks like she hurt her ankle, but she returned to the game, thankfully, and it didn't look like it was anything that bothered her after that point. But just for the dream, Tiffany Hayes, if she isn't all the way there, if they're not creating a ton of threes for Renee Montgomery, it's just really tough sledding for this team right now. Sykes and Coffee, I mean, they have to give them something. Those players are going to have to make some shots. They're really good at the slashing, getting to the rim, but teams are loading up for that, and teams are helping off of them, and it's not having a stretch big and then you're when you have a wing on when you have a wing on the court too that teams aren't really scared of i mean even when tiffany hayes gets back to 100 percent or just puts together some bigger games like it just it's such a heavy lift when the the lane gets gets so much more clogged for her when she tries to go in there and just the way this stuff all ties together you know atlanta's personnel they didn't they didn't disintegrate overnight like these are like they still have one of the best defensive front courts in the league to anchor them, but but it it all ties together. If you're not getting good shots, if you're de- deject, dejected because of that, and and if you just it just starts to pile up, and then you're not going to get to set your defense, and that makes it a lot harder to get stops, especially in a matchup where you're just physically overmatched at two different positions inside, and it's it's just a lot, it's just a lot to to make up for, and and this team does need stuff. One name that wasn't mentioned, they need they need more from Alex Bentley. She was on fire basically the whole time after they acquired her in that trade with Connecticut last year. Two for 11, one for seven from three. In this game, the Dream had a pre-recorded, uh, or the telecast had a pre-recorded interview with Nikki Collin, and, and she was asked about Bentley, and she's talked about how Bentley's got to get into the mid-range and, and kind of help herself because kind of take control of, of the shots that she is taking because she hasn't been the steadiest three-point shooter throughout her career. So, yeah, it, it, that makes sense. I mean, in, in, in a way, she's playing with fire. If she's going to rely too much on those shots, she's got to get, got to put some pressure on the rim, got to got to get a couple easier shots more in her comfort zone. And, and the thing, too, with Atlanta's offense, which obviously hasn't been great, not trying to make excuses for it or sugarcoat it, but Bentley is also about to be gone for Eurobasket. So we're going to see what, what on earth that's going to mean for this team. With Bentley being such a crutch for them, especially without Angel McCautry, you know, Maite Cazorla got got some running garbage time in this one. Is it just going to be, you know, she's going to have to step into that role and and just really, you know, create some stuff and pick and roll for them? Obviously, she can knock down shots, which helps, and maybe that, maybe they get to some combinations where that can help Tiffany Hayes out a little bit more. But, you know, Brittany Sykes, too, it's, it's been, 
you know, th- this has been the name that gets brought up since Makachu went down last season. She's just got to have, she's just got to have some monster games. She's got to be, she's got to be great defensively on the wing, and Sykes needs to hit some shots too, and just take some pressure off of them, and 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 we'll see if Tiffany Hayes can kind of turn the corner and start turning in some monster games because you know it's it's early, but it'll start to it'll start to turn into a hole for them that they have to climb out of very quickly. But second game of the night, we're going to take a look at is the Mercury at the Lynx. They dropped that one 58 to 56. A little bit of a slugfest. In that game, still no Camille Little for the Mercury with that ankle. No Kareem at Christmas Kelly for the Lynx after she had made her season debut. It was listed as uh, personal reasons why she missed that one. This was just, it was a rough offensive showing from the Mercury after they they got they were the ones that got out to a good start it's tied at 17 after the first and then they just laid an egg in the second quarter scoring seven points they didn't get enough they didn't get it to Brittany Griner enough I mean one for three from the field in 33 minutes it just that reads like a typo and it they just they have to they have to figure out ways to get the ball to Brittany Griner more it's just it's that simple Yvonne Turner too. Also, they just really need something from her. They need her to put some pressure on the rim. She was two for five in twenty-five minutes, three turnovers. It's just that's one of their one of their guards is probably a little more high variance, but they need that. You know, we've said it's we've heard it a million times before. They need that Sopran Vani to to kind of carry them a little bit more and and to give them that extra punch as a playmaker. Odyssey Sims had a nice game for Lynx. She had fifteen points, seven to sixteen, just. When she gets to her left hand, like she's just gonna figure it out, and and she's so tough to stop when she does, with with within the structure of what the links are doing, you know she really has the keys to, to run a lot of stuff for them, and and she can get into the paint, and she made, you know one one tough floater with BG kind of right there, and it's just, but Odyssey Sims kind of lives in that range, and she's gonna be able to get up those floaters, and with her quickness she can get into the lane. And in a way, when when she doesn't get all the way to the rim, you know those shots are kind of going to be the ones that need to go down if the links are if the links are going to win close games this year. And she got a couple of them to go in this one. She had another awesome play, pick and roll. She just put Brian January in jail, just you know kept her on on her back hip, and then that kind of forced Griner to kind of at least look at her and kind of come up a little bit. And Sylvia Fowles kind of slipped into slipped into space behind Griner and Sims was able to set her set her up for a layup. Uh, that was that was a big play for Sims, who's really doing a good job with those with those angles and keeping our defender behind her when she does get that advantage. So then, you know, look for look for more of those as the season goes on. Because again, if you know you can get some of those versus the tougher floaters, especially over a bigger a bigger center, those aren't always ideal if those start to pile up. But a big overarching question was this one from this one was just that. You know, Griner only shot one from three, but Sylvia Fowles only played twenty five minutes. Like in and seeing that in the box score, it's just like how do, how the heck did the Lynx win a game where Sil only plays twenty five minutes? And and for Phoenix, this kind of draws a line back to their loss to the Storm to start the season too. You know, Seattle played well, and again in this one, like the Lynx made some plays that they needed to make, and they built a nice lead. Although at the end, the Mercury came storming back as as Minnesota hit a bit of a drought, but this is just these are winnable games and you have to you know in a sense there's going to be the hammer has to come down when you look at some of these it can't all just be 
you know, we don't have Dinatrasi. We got close. We were on the road, you know, because if these pile up, you know, two or three of them, again, this is like this is this is the difference between, you know, a, th- a two and a three seed, a five and a four, uh, a five and a four, uh, even a six and a seven. So it's just, you know, you go to Seattle and you just lay an egg. You just your guards were just terrified to do anything with the ball for no reason. And then a game like this where you just you can't score, and it's just it's kind of, it's in, it's inexplicable, and it's not again it's just they can't they can't get the ball to Griner, it's a huge problem and and we'll see you know down the line how much how much this affects them and obviously the flip side of that is like Minnesota winning like banking wins like you just you just get it done especially early as and this is a team where they're just trying to figure stuff out. And this will pay huge dividends for them too, as they as they're in the going to be in the playoff hunt too. And Lexi Brown was another player from Minnesota that that had a nice game for them. She closed the game, and she hit three threes and just again like her like being able to spot up like way behind the line makes a big difference. You know, one of her threes, she's you know five feet behind the line, and Leilani Mitchell was kind of hanging out the free throw line helping out on a drive and then she sprints out to her and she did bite on the pump fake but then she flies by but that's just so much ground to have to cover if brown's gonna spot up that deep and and she's the kind of shooter that people are going to respect when she does that and and as daniel robinson only shot one for eight from the field you know they need brown to be playing well a lot of the time to have the option to close with her because with with the way she's spotting up with the confidence that they've kind of given her you know there is some truth in you know having that shooter to open things up especially when she's that comfortable giving you that much extra space for somebody like odyssey sims to to go to work and get into the lane jessica shepherd another young player for the Lynx, she had a big hand and a big late third quarter swing in that game there was uh, one play leilani mitchell had a rebound and and shepherd was just kind of there happened to be there and she just ripped it right out of her hands Ended up kicking it out to Brown for a three, and then uh, a few seconds, a few moments later, right at the end of the quarter, Shepard was in the right corner. Atlanta Smith didn't box her out, and she just strolled right in, got the offensive rebound, set up Demir Dantes for a layup, and that that pushed Minnesota's lead back to thirteen at the end of the quarter. And and in that same stretch, Phoenix again just they shot themselves in the foot. They had some good opportunities to keep cutting into it, heading into the fourth, but Mitchell wide open three missed it. Griner got an early touch in the post, kind of in semi-transition, got a hard double, threw it to Alana Smith. She kind of froze, had an open shooter, just held onto it, held onto it, and then just threw up an awful layup attempt. And and then you're down down 13 instead of maybe being at 7 or 8 going into the final quarter. But this was Leilani Mitchell's first game of the season with Mercury after she had gotten waived as they scrambled to get under the cap before the season. So just having her out there, Gave him 24 minutes, you know, hit a big three off the dribble late in the game, just having another playmaker, another shooter, somebody who's comfortable and has experience being with all their core pieces. It's important for the Mercury, and, and again, with the Eurobasket departures, Vonnie Turner's going to be gone, so knowing they can get minutes out of her is going to be important for them. Dwana Bonner finished with 25 and 8 rebounds, played 36 minutes, 9 of 18 shootings, 9 of 18 shooting, and... I did a I did a breakdown of this game, my weekly breakdown on the High Post Hoops Patreon, which you can which subscribers can read there. 
kind of went into some of some of the stuff for Bonner in this game. You know, the just the load on her. She's obviously she's obviously lived up to it from the scoring perspective, but there are some plays they need her to make to kind of set other people up because they have a lot of more dependent players and you know, when it's Diana Trossi out there, you know, every passing window that comes open, you know, the pass is just on the money and they're just setting that player up for a shot and they need Bonner to make some of those plays to help out some of their role players get some clean open looks and I kind of went into that in the post which you can check out there but for Phoenix again just you know it helps to have Mitchell back Alana Smith did give them some good minutes and it was a little uh, I talked with Brendan Clean when he was on the show after that after that Aces game where they got the win but they basically rode with their six vets in the rotation and it was it was a question to see whether you know any of their rookies and Smith especially coming with the billing of being a first round pick and just a more pro ready player coming out of Stanford with what she showed as a senior they needed to get something from her and they kind of went away from Essence Carson in that game and Smith played a little bit so they they got a little bigger and they just it gives them another screener to use with Duana Bonner which is helpful. You know, Smith got, there was a side pick and roll, and, and Smith just stepped right out uh, off of that, popped out th- to the three-point line. And, and those threes are going to fall into her lap all season long. And that's just, those are just the shots she needs to hit. And they need to just, you know, teams are going to have to surrender that. And they really need to tap into that and try to and try to turn that into something. You know, it doesn't have to be just Smith shooting the three. You can set up a quick reverse to throw it into Griner on the opposite side. And just you know, just something, you know, to kind of to kind of just get that initial reaction from a defense and play out of that. But you know, Smith holding up, holding her own, and just again, just they need that they need that shooting, they need that that extra size on the floor, something to give them a little different look. So we'll see if Smith can string string together a couple of games now that she has that one under her belt. But one last thing with the links, just. You know, Nafisa Collier, a quiet scoring game, but just really affecting plays with her defense, and she's such a key a key piece for them, especially with Phoenix kind of toggling with their lineups and and you know I've talked about how the Dewana Bonner at the four is kind of a pressure point for some teams when she's at the four, and then okay for another team you know oh if you if you start a traditional four that player probably won't be really comfortable guarding Dewana Bonner, but then. You know, you have to have them guard, like in essence, Carson, who's a spot-up player, might run off some screens, and you're kind of putting someone in unfamiliar territory. But Collier, when they, this game, they ended up sliding Bonner up a lot because they were playing Smith, and, and Collier did a nice job on Bonner. And just affecting plays with her length, you know, this is what I've talked about before. She just always gets back into a play. She's going to close out. You know, she really, she utilizes her length, and, and she just gets back into a lot of plays and doesn't doesn't settle to just let stuff happen she's gonna get get right back and get right back into your face and, and that stuff like that matters and the final possessions in this were really telling you know phoenix went on i think it was uh minnesota went up by 11 and then phoenix closed the game on a 9-0 run which they ended up losing by two which is just which is odd to think about but phoenix ended up getting two cracks at this down two and just their, their execution wasn't good enough just what just you know the way they went about it it was just it's a really disappointing way to lose a game 
I mean, their first crack, they set up a pick and roll for Bonner at the top of the key uh, with, with Griner setting the screen and Nafisa Collier is guarding her. And Bonner is standing at the top of the key with her left foot forward, kind of looking to use the screen and get down to her right hand. And Collier had her left foot over the top of Griner, so she was setting herself up to get over the screen. And, and for one, Griner didn't just, Griner should have held that screen better and just really, you know, Collier kind of planted herself in the ground for a second. You just have to have to nail her with that screen. And Bonner kind of looked for a second like she wanted to reject it, and she might have just felt like she didn't have enough room because if she had gone left, there were two guards on that side of the floor, and Minnesota probably would have been eager to to gap off of at least one of them and force the kick out. But, you know, even that, like maybe that would have been the play to make, but the possession just stalled out, and they didn't get off a good look, and they just they took a little too much time to just get into that and just, you know, Bonner kind of staring, staring at it for a little bit and just not not able to get get that what she wanted, which was to go to her right hand coming off that screen. And then after timeout, 20 seconds, about 20 seconds left, Phoenix is in the bonus as this is happening. And just in general, you know, Phoenix missed some chances too with Bonner to just, just have her ISO. And, and just, it, it, you know, when they would send a screen and they just, she wasn't getting downhill, but if they just run her off a screen, whatever, some dummy motion and just get her on the move and just a hard drive, you know, the Lynx were willing to help all game long. They were, they were sending help. Their guards were, were gapping off. They were touching the lane line with a foot, with at least one foot. And just like those passes were there for her to spray it out. And in a case like that, if you just get to the ISO and you just pick a direction, you go and you hit the open player or you try to force the issue at the rim, or you can open up a, a passing lane for a dump off to Griner, which would which would have helped too. But what they end up going with, they inbounded the bottle, Leilani Mitchell, and she just stood at half court and she just burned like 10 seconds off the clock. And and you're down two on the road. And it just, it, it didn't really pay. The idea of waiting to get a shot up there just doesn't really pay. And it didn't look like that's what they wanted to do because Sandy Brondello kind of stood up as Mitchell was staying there. She was kind of imploring them and waving them to go. Maybe that was also just the trigger. and Maybe that, maybe that is what they wanted to do. But it just, I didn't see the advantage to doing that. They ended up, you know, a dummy pick and roll with Mitchell and Griner, and then Griner rolled into a down screen for Bonner to pop to the top of the key, and then Bonner catches it there. It looked like Brondello was waving for everyone to go away, but then Griner came to set a screen, and it's about six seconds left, and the Lynx blitzed her, and Bonner didn't. Bonner just had to get off a heave at the buzzer, and she probably could have slipped it to Griner on the roll because she got blitzed and. The Lynx guards on the backside were kind of, they were kind of leaning the way to stick to their own matchups and just and just prevent a one pass to a three, which would have won the game. But so even just I, the the general plan there just wasn't very strong. The idea of waiting, I don't think that really pays. I mean, especially if the plan was to go pick and roll with Bonner, and you just you wait to the last second and you get up a two. I don't, I don't, I'm not really sure, again, if that, if, why they would choose to go about it that way, especially when you're in the bonus, um, but they, they absolutely go that way, and they didn't get off a good shot, and that was it, the game was over, and now getting on to the final game of the night, 
the Sparks at the Sun, the Chineo Gumake return to Connecticut. The Sun won, won that one 89-77. Sydney Weiss and Tierra Ruffin Pratt were in the starting lineup again on the wing next to Chelsea Gray. Raquana Williams was ended up being available, and she was dressed for the game, but did not play. Her, her hearing for her pending assault charges uh, ended up getting postponed, and that'll be was moved into July. It was supposed to be that day, so she was had been expected to miss the game initially, but was there and did not play, although she was on the bench. This game started with with Jasmine Thomas just creating two runouts for the Sun, and the Sun got out to an 11-point lead at the end of the first. They were just even off of a couple of misses, they were just able to push and get easy chances in transition with the Sparks getting caught with both their bigs below the free throw line and even a third or sometimes a fourth player below the free throw line crashing the boards. And that's just, that's death if you're playing Connecticut. It's just, you're not going to beat them back in a dead sprint. And they're just, you know, especially if Alyssa Thomas gets the ball, it's just, it's just downhill and that's too easy for them. And then the Sun also... They ended up doubling up the Sparks on the offensive glass, 14-7, to and that, that popped up right away with them extending some possessions early. Although Marina Mabry did have an important answer for LA. She rattled off five quick points of her own on a run out and then just pull up three in transition. And, and again, it's just like it. If, if anyone as just like a shooter was going to make it in this class, it just it made sense that Mabry was going to be one of them. Just her confidence, her range, her ability to just to just get him up in a hurry from anywhere is going to really help this this LA team. So the Sun have that double digit lead after the first and kind of hold that hold that uh, heading into halftime. Chelsea Gray had I mean four points, six assists, one of six, the shooting, eight turnovers. It was just not it was not a big scoring night for her. She just didn't get chances to to get downhill and get to the rim. But she had some she had some nasty passes in this game out of the post from the top of the key and we'll get to we'll get to some of those specifically and I'll probably I'll probably end up tweeting all those out but just it was it's just unbelievable display from her just the way she's on the money with often with a second player in her face the way she's able to just turn and fire often with just one hand and it's just it's on the just really it, it, it's not exaggerating to just say they're on the money hitting her hitting her teammates right in the hands to set up open shots but this game looked like we were headed toward a blowout. The Sun had built a 20-plus point lead in the second half. And Mabry, again, had another big play for, for L.A. It was uh, She's on the left side of the floor on the left wing. And just a hard jab step. And Lasia Clarendon bit for it hard uh, like she was going to go towards the middle and use the screen. And just one dribble the other way. And she just nailed a three uh, off the dribble, which was another big shot for L.A. to kind of to kind of stop the bleeding. And then in the fourth quarter, suddenly they, they got going a little bit. Neka Gumake hit four threes. And then Cheney got going, kind of rolling to the rim, and Gray was able to set her up. They kind of set up some double drags in transition and just just setting up Gray in, some, with, in pick and rolls. And, and Neka hitting the pick and pop threes all of a sudden. And then Cheney was able to kind of get a head start, roll into the rim, and... and that's what they need to do because you know Chene is is an awesome finisher when she especially when she gets an advantage on somebody and can kind of play into that and and play the angles 
But in the final, the and the, those sparks end up coming all the way back, and, and Neca hitting those threes was such a big part of it to just give them that lift. Because offensively, especially with Gray not Gray not having it, they just they desperately needed that. But inside the final minute, Sparks got within four, which was amazing just to just to see that alone. But Courtney Williams with the ball, she drew a switch in a pick and roll, and that left Chelsea Gray on Alyssa Thomas. Thomas got it quickly, spun back to her right hand, and finished off the glass to put Connecticut back up six. And then the Sparks come back, side out of bounds. They throw it in quickly to Chelsea Gray, and Alexis Jones was the inbounder, and they set a flare screen for her right away to dive down to the corner, and Gray dimed her up. And one, Jones missed the shot, but also she had her foot on the line, so it ended up being a two-point attempt, not a three, which obviously would have been big and and made it a one-possession game again. And of course, to just go full circle, this game ends with two uh, pick sixes for Jasmine Thomas, where she just just live ball steals directly leading to layups. And it was just it was how it started. It was it just was really reflective of how the game went. You know, Chelsea Gray not having a big scoring night, but also the eight turnovers and Jasmine Thomas. You know, and an all defensive all defense type player year in year out was was the primary player on her and she started the game and she ended it making big plays for the sun on defense on top of scoring in double figures uh, all five sun starters did that but for for connecticut to almost blow them out it, it was just odd you know they, they only shot four fifteen from three they did get to the free throw line eight more times than la but 17 to 21 in the turnover department obviously the way that kind of swung late uh kind of helped helped LA look a little bit better there and as mentioned they they doubled them up on the offensive rebounds but the spark the sparks just they need to find some ways to score a little bit more I, I've liked that they're trying to get the ball into Chelsea Gray in the post where again she's just I mean she's just such an incredible passer especially the one hand just the instant like you move she knows where to go with it and she's going to catch you when you're off balance to set somebody up and I think the Sparks really have something when they go to Gray. And then, you know, this game, it was a lot of Weiss and Mabry, where you do have, like, two good, you know, at minimum, you know, they're good three-point shooters, which you want to open things up for Gray. But they do kind of need to, they do need to work on just arranging the floor a little bit differently or just including more screening action away from the ball. Because especially, I mean, if it's Cheney, like, on the opposite side, spotting up on the wing, which she was doing on a couple of these post-ups. It's just, you know, Connecticut was sending a, probably going to send a double no matter what LA did, but just no one's guarding her out there. And, you know, sometimes they had NECA and Shanae out there and they're, you know, the, the, you're, you're more than happy as an opponent to just leave somebody back there to play center field. And then you, you play that pass if it comes to it and you try to scramble, but they've got to get something else going. They got to get they have to set Gray up to score a little bit more. And obviously, like this whole Raquana Williams thing, this this looms over it all as just, you know, Williams is a versatile shooter, can really get hot in a hurry. And we haven't seen we haven't seen much from her, but it's it, it's it's this isn't an overreaction to the Sparks. It, it, everything's gonna look different different once Candace Parker gets back. She's gonna work wonders for for Chanae, who's already had some really good moments and had some and played pretty well, all things considered, for the Sparks. But having that extra playmaker, that passer on the court to really set up a bunch of high-low stuff 
is really gonna really gonna bolster their inside game. But in the meantime, it's just you know you got it. You have to at least make it a little bit easier for Chelsea Gray to take over a game from a scoring perspective, and that's exactly what we saw against New York. Obviously, not nowhere nearly as close as good of a defensive team as the Sun. But I mean, for right for right now, that's kind of the book on the Sparks. If if Gray can't go off for a big scoring night, it's it's probably going to be a slog for them. And that's what we saw in this one. Although they did claw their way back in, and especially with Marina Mabry, I think there's there's a nice positive to take away there. And and Neko Gumake hitting four threes. If if she can kind of carry that confidence across all four quarters of games moving forward, that'll be big for them. But that's a wrap for this one. As mentioned, you can go read some more about the Lynx Mercury game if you're a High Post Hoops Patreon subscriber. And if you're not, we hope you'll consider supporting our work. There's other stuff you can get there uh, for subscribers, columns by Lindsey Gibbs, uh, and some other stuff to go check out there and go over to head over to High Post Hoops. There's more stuff up as we record this Friday morning. There's more stuff up this morning, stuff on what's up with the dream, uh, more stuff from the Lynx perspective, picking up that win over Phoenix. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Locked on Women's Basketball in your podcast player of choice. Please drop us a review, a rating. Let us know what you don't like, what you don't what you don't like. Uh, always open to, to, to getting your feedback and delivering the kind of episodes that people want to hear. And we'll look forward to be back, being back with you. Going to have uh, episodes both days this weekend. First, uh, looking forward to the Wings Fever game. Two teams that uh, Dallas, in their sense, they need to pick up their first win, and, and the Fever are looking to continue that. And then uh, a big, a big, sa- a big Saturday primetime game, Lynx and Sparks, and then a, a whole flurry of games on Sunday. So we'll be back, be back with you all weekend long, bringing on some guests to discuss to break down all those games so until then we'll catch you next time